0: Everyone, welcome to Trashy Breakups, our new Wednesday series for season 11. I'm Alicia. My name is Stacy.
1: Y'all, we have a whole new season of Trash Candy coming for you on Sunday. Regular, regular old trashy divorces. Yep. However, for Wednesdays during season 11, beginning today, Stacy and I are going to be trading off bringing you couples who never married so they can't get divorced, but they sure did have a trashy breakup that fascinated us all. Mm hmm. And uh, how are we starting this off, Alicia? We are starting off today with, holy catch, y'all. It maybe is the best breakup song of all time. That is what Taylor Swift says. Uh, Taylor Swift is going to bring out Alanis Morissette in concert as a special guest in August of 2015 in Los Angeles. And the intro is awesome. Taylor Swift's like, she defined the music of her decade and inspired a generation of confessional female singer-songwriters who all of a sudden felt like you could say all of these were all feelings and you could get really mad if you wanted to. Fair to say. So many female singer-songwriters, including myself, would not write the way we do without her and her music, Alanis
0: Morissette, uh mm-hmm.
1: in the greatest breakup song of all time. You ought to know is the you song. You ought to know. Mm-hmm. If you were alive in 1995, you could mm-hmm. not miss the enormous impact of Alanis Morissette's third album, Jagged Little Pill.
0: It was a monster, yeah. Oh god. It was her third album, but it's her first
1: worldwide release and quite a departure from the Canadian sweet dance pop star who's really kind of spiritual and religious. She's just just really Nice Canadian girl, eh? From the first two albums. And then someone hurt her. (laughs) Someone hurt her badly. Do we know who? Okay, everything is copy, right? Mm -hmm. That's Nora Ephron. Everything is is copy. It is. Alanis Morissette is the poster girl of everything is copy for 1995. So truly, Jagged Little Pill changed everything. Let's get the numbers out of the way. The album will top the charts in 13 countries. It will sell 33 million copies worldwide. Alanis is the first Canadian to achieve double diamond sales. The album was nominated for nine Grammys. It wins five. Alanis is the youngest artist to win one of those Grammys for the time. Rolling Stone will rank Jagged Little Pill as number 69. (laughs) On its 2020 list of the 500 greatest albums of all time, like the album was revolutionary at the time. It kicked off with the lead single, You Oughta Know. Oh, God, holy catch all. So Dave Navarro and Flea are playing on this. Like a really has some star power, but You Oughta Know comes out as a lead single, and it is not the way that the world, at least the mainstream audience world, is used to hearing female singers sing right or write alonis morissette says this song is unbridled rage born from devastation in another interview she will say for women sometimes we're told we can't be angry we can't be sad we can't be 17 other feelings you can't be anything so just sublimate it all just squish it all down But I think I was just really devastated when I wrote that. And it's a lot easier to siphon that through anger sometimes. Let's go and talk about a few of the lyrics here. Mm. Yeah. I want you to know that I am happy for you. I wish nothing but the best for you both. An older version of me. Is she perverted like me? (laughs) Would she go down on you in a theater? Does she speak eloquently? Would she have your baby? I'm sure she'd make a really excellent mother. Hmm. It was surprisingly explicit. It was surprisingly explicit and just so raw, right? Because the love that you gave that we made wasn't able to make it enough for you to be open wide. No. And every time you speak her name, does she know how you told me you'd hold me until you died? Until you died, but you're still alive. (laughs) Like, she's mad and she's Mm -hmm. angry and I get Mm -hmm. it. That's only like the first verse and chorus. Who could inspire this kind of songwriter?
0: Who could inspire? I always assumed it was like based on several, but I feel like you've kind of narrowed it down. What lusty
1: Lothario
0: would make a
1: woman's heart swell to this kind of, how did she say, unbridled rage born from devastation?
0: Sure, it was someone super hot and Top of the world, career-wise.
1: So the generation before us had Carly Simon's infamous You're So Vain mm-hmm. to contemplate over. Mm-hmm. Gen X has its own version of You're So Vain. And the answer? Who is this kind of man that can make a woman feel this unbridled rage born of devastation? Who,
0: indeed? Uncle Joey from Full House. The comedian guy? like the Dave Coulier! Yeah. Dopey, affable... Cut it out.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So these two kids, Dave and Alanis, get together in 1992. They are both Nickelodeon stars. Okay. Dave is fresh off the heels of an early marriage and pretty quick divorce inside of two years. Alanis and Dave date for like two years. It ends. If you listen to Jagged Little Pill, it doesn't end well. (laughs) It ends in a pretty awful way. Hence the everything is copy. Okay, so go with me here. So when we talk about everything is copy, there is a line where Dave Coulier is like, shit, this is me. So we get into the second verse. It's my favorite verse. You seem very well. Things look peaceful. I'm not quite as well. I thought you should know. Did you forget about me, Mr. Duplicity? I hate to bug you in the middle of dinner. Okay, so Dave Coulier is going to tell BuzzFeed in 2015, I never think about the 1995 song, but I do think it's really funny that it's become this urban legend so many years after the fact. He will go on to um, say to them in 2014, I dated Alanis in 1992. You know, it's just funny to me to be the supposed subject of that song. First of all, that guy in the song is a real asshole and I don't want to be that guy. Secondly, I asked Alanis, I'm getting calls by the media and they want to know who this guy is. And she said, well, you know, it could be a bunch of people, but you can say whatever you want. So one time I was doing a red carpet somewhere and the press just wore me down and everybody wanted to know. So I said, yeah, all right, I'm the guy there. I said it. So then it became a snowball effect of, oh, so you are the guy. It's just become this silly urban legend that I just have to laugh at. He will go on to tell HuffPost Live, there were some familiarities all throughout Jagged Little Pill. Noting Morissette was writing a lot of the material, quote unquote, Hmm. during their time together. Hmm. In fact, he said there was one line from the song that got me. I hate to bug you in the middle of dinner. So here's what happened. He says, she called and I said, hey, I'm right in the middle of dinner. Can I call you right back? Coulier recalls to HuffPost Live, they had already broken up at the time, but he says, I remember that line when I heard you ought to know,
0: and I just went, I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> so he's not claiming credit for the theater thing? <laughs> that guy knows who he is. That guy knows who he is. So Coulier will
1: say he and Alanis parted as friends.
0: Yeah, that, no, I, that was my takeaway from You Ought to Know, is very warm Well, if you partnered as friends, there may be some
1: things unsaid. So what does Alanis Morissette say about it? Mm -hmm. On Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen, she talked about it a bit. There's a caller who calls in and asks, like, are you tired of people asking you about the rumors about you ought to know? And Andy Cohen is like, yeah, are you ever going to say who it's about? And Alanis Morissette says, no revealing, but I am intrigued at the thought or at the fact that more than one person has taken credit for it. I'm thinking... I don't know if you want to take credit for being the person I wrote you ought to know about. She uh, says there's been about six people who have taken credit for it and goes on. I just think if you're going to take credit for a song where I'm singing about someone being a douche or an asshole, you might not want to say, hey, that's me. (laughs) That's
0: me. (laughs) <laughs> She's talking about me.
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's weird. It's a fair point, Alanis Morissette. Mm-hmm. Fair point. Mm-hmm. So Dave and Alanis do break up. Dave goes on to marry again in 2014 to his longtime girlfriend who he started dating after that Alanis breakup. Dave will say, new girlfriend, now wife of seven years. It's the love of his life. Good on you, kids. Okay. Such a surprising figure. Oh wait. I have more. Mm. You're going to be more surprised in short order. Alanis, for her part, after the breakup with Dave Coulier, dates a lot of people. She'll end up getting engaged to Ryan Reynolds. They meet at Drew Barrymore's birthday party in 2002, and they begin dating. They get engaged June 2004, but by 2007, that is over. In 2010, Alanis will marry rapper Mario Soli Treadway. They have three kids. She's been very much on a journey. She she's been recovering from the PTSD that Jagged Little Pill was for twenty years mm-hmm. because it's such a. There's a fantastic Super Soul Sunday episode with Oprah Winfrey. If y'all want to listen to that, she a lot of smurfs. That's fascinating.
0: Well, and for How I Met Your Mother fans, the Robin Sparkle plotline is a thinly veiled. Not even thinly veiled. It's uh, in- inspired by. <laughs> very um, much so. Yeah. Okay. So
1: she's gone on to do great things and amazing things and is very much on this soul search for herself. There's a little bit of legal stuff that happens. She will file suit against her previous management in 2016. Apparently, dude has siphoned off like $4.7 like the new guy comes in that she hires, like something shady is going on. Mm-hmm. And ends up this guy gets a six year prison sentence. Oh my God. Uh, found guilty of fiduciary duty, fraud, and negligence. I just like to say fiduciary on the podcast. Everyone does.
0: Everyone does.
1: Everyone does. A lot of S'moresett's doing great. Mm-hmm. She's going on tour this summer. Liz Fair is going to be playing some dates with her. Amazing. So definitely okay. get to that if you can.
0: That is, wow, that's like Gen X catnip right there. But that's not everything.
1: So Mm -hmm. now that you've heard that story Mm -hmm. about possibly the origin of You Ought to Know being about Dave Coulier. Can
0: we say probably? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Allegedly, probably. At least in part. Sibling fights are unavoidable, but what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother, but that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondery's podcast, Dis Tell, is hosted by comedians Sydney
1: Battle and Matt Belisai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started.
0: It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Dis
1: on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. <laughs> there was this whole internet rumor going around, and I say rumor because it is a rumor, but I got suckered into it too. So when you search about this song, it's gonna attach to all of the search stuff that TLC comes out
0: and says no scrubs is about Dave Coulier too. The nineteen ninety nine smash hit from TLC. Oh my gosh, TLC such a good like you just like
1: Jagged Little Pill was ninety-five, no scrubs was 99 mm-hmm. and TLC is amazing. They are either the second or fourth, depending on the list you're looking at, best selling girl group of all time. Wow. They are five albums sold. I want to say 65 million total. <sighs> okay. They're awesome.
0: And Dave Coulier is the source of. No,
1: <laughs> it's not. I'm going to tell you really about the song first. No Scrubs released on their third album, Fan Mail. It's written by Kevin Briggs and the two former Escape members. Escape was this like super big, like early 90s girl band, Candy Burris, who you may know from Real Housewives of Atlanta, mm-hmm. and her bandmate collaborating partner, Tamika Tiny, are hanging out one day. And Candy says, she recalls this to an uh, interview in NPR. Candy says, I always like to listen to tracks in my car because I come up with my best ideas while I'm driving. Same Candy, same. So she and her buddy are venting about the guys they are dating at the time. And Candy starts freestyling over the track and was like, a scrub is a guy who thinks he's fly and is also known as a busta. Always talking about what he wants and just sits on his fat ass. Okay. So she makes a song about the deadbeat she's dating. And at the time, scrubs was a term just for kind of like a deadbeat loser. Um, kind of just the trashiest guy ever, not going anywhere. Candy gets her freestyle written on the back of her paying bills envelopes in the car over to Tamika Tiny Harris. And they do a demo and then they're trying to get it recorded, but they start shopping it around to industry. TLC hears it Vamps it up, changes a few of the lyrics just to make it a little contemporary for them. Lisa Left Eye Lopez will put in a rap to it, so she gets a partial writing credit as well. Right. Anyway, the song "Scrub" is a guy can't get no love for me. God, it's a good song. Stays number one on the Billboard Hot 100 list for four weeks, and it maintains this legacy, like just like you ought to know, is on a lot of breakup tapes. I would assume that No Scrubs is as well. No Scrubs has been on a lot of my breakup tapes, personally. Of the song, Candy Burris says about it. As women, we go through things every day, all day. No matter where we go, somebody's going to try to push up or try to holler at you. And they're not always a gentleman about it. So I feel like this song put it out there and it
0: just made women be a little bit more outspoken. So what is Dave Coulier's role in the creation of... This smash hit nothing, however,
1: <laughs> however, there is a site called the hard times that, dot net yes. dot net, which is a satire mostly I would say eighty seven percent satire. they do drop like music reviews mm-hmm. and other stuff in there mm-hmm. okay this was this was brand new information because I got suckered into I'm not saying I'm smarter. Our patreon episode that we recorded had a different take
0: mm-hmm. well because the claim got picked up by
1: mainstream uh, other news.
0: websites that aren't well i mean i won't call them high quality but but like if you google dave coulier tlc like you will get a page of results about that all this is the that all this ta- is the
1: origin story
0: okay but it's satire but after
1: hearing all of the you ought to know bug you in the middle of dinner this story becomes very easy to believe where you read it as fact but if you know that candy burris wrote the song in a car in her on like that This is not the story. What's the yarn, though? Okay. Do you want to share the yarn? This is from the hardtimeswhat.net. Mm-hmm. This is Eli Johnson, publishing December 16th, 2020, with okay. ta-da, 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 hot gossip. <laughs> the former members of TLC confirmed a long-held suspicion today that their 1999 hit single, No Scrubs, was written about full house cast member Dave Coulier. It's a good headline. Said Rosanna Chili Thomas. One day, we were out walking and Coulier and Stamus come driving by. And, you know, Coulier leans out and tries to holler at us from the passenger side of the car. I mean, the visuals are great here. Oh, yeah. To be honest, I didn't know who was at first. I saw, just saw a bunch of hair and a bright patterned shirt. And then it clicked. And I was like, is that that corny motherfucker, Uncle Joey? So I started jotting down some lines and the rest is history. <laughs> he was talking like Popeye for some reason. <laughs> and he had this beaver puppet. <laughs> That part didn't make it in the song.
0: <laughs>
1: hmm. You should not be snookered in by that. It's a good story. But it's so easy to be snookered. So, uh, <laughs> satire continues. The revelation from TLC has only fueled the ongoing speculation that Coulier's failed relationship from singer-songwriter Alanis Morissette was the inspiration for her classic song, You to Know. T. On T. Boz Watkins says, I can only assume he was fresh off his breakup with Alanis and was looking for a rebound, I guess. So, yeah, he flexed on us. But out of respect for our Canadian queen, we didn't give him the time of day. He was just lucky Left Eye wasn't with us that day. That's for damn sure. (laughs) Okay. Now, that's fun. But here's the thing that really sells it that I think lends the most charm is the Bob Saget... (laughs)
0: Fabricated
1: quote. Fabricated quote. Confirming Dave Coulier's predilection for musical women. According to satire Bob Saget. <laughs> I tried to tell him he should probably stop dating musicians, but he wouldn't listen. I mean, there's already one immortal song dedicated to calling you a piece of shit. So maybe you should cut your losses. I've never understood why he's always been eager to take credit for You ought to Know. Like, buddy, did you listen to the lyrics? I don't know. It's a hell of a visual with Uncle Joey. Like, here's John Stamos, never had a problem getting a girl in his life, driving the car, and Uncle Joey hanging out the window with his beaver puppet doing his <clears throat> Popeye.
0: No, it's a great yarn. It is a it really
1: well done. It is an internet hoax. That did not happen. But you can imagine it happening if you know about how much Alanis Morissette went through after that breakup.
0: Yeah, I feel like that writer has spawned his own little bit of lore in in the archives of the internet history. That's what you get when you do an extra proof your sources at the end of every episode. <laughs> I mean, it would be so hilarious if that were true. Like, it, it's really, it's a well done little story because you can kind of, like, yeah, you can kind of see Dave Coulier being that goofy, like... Oh, trying you, you, to pick can, me up with a beaver puppet? He's yeah, talking
1: like Popeye. Yeah, yeah can yeah. my beaver puppet buy you a drink?
0: No. Did no, he have he like a not. woodchuck? He did have a woodchuck puppet, which on. is so probably how. That's probably the reference.
1: Which you know, if you think about how I Met Your Mother and the whole Robin Sparkles thing, because yes. Robin Sparkles comes out with "P.S. I love you," right? And it ends up being about Paul Schaefer. but there's all these Canadian stars. Maybe mm-hmm. we should put that link in because that's a very funny clip. There's Jason Priestley and the guys from Bare Ladies and all kinds of Canadian people like, wasn't me, right? wasn't me, wasn't me. Oh, gosh. You ought to know, probably was,
0: maybe about Dave Coulier. Mm-hmm. But there is not. <laughs> there.
1: There's no documented verified evidence that there, no scrubs is about Dave
0: yeah, Coulier. Yeah, there is not a genre of Dave Coulier hate songs as much as one might. Find that hilarious. We're nothing like diligent reporters the second time after edits. Uh, Goodness. Okay, so that's trashy breakups and trashy fake breakups. Also, "Truth
1: Hurts" by Lizzo about Dave Coulier, (laughs) probably. Also, so is "You're So Vain" by Simon,
0: definitely about baby Dave Coulier.
1: infant like Ted Cruz being the zodiac like, oh, oh I wasn't i'm alive then but yes that song yes, is about me too
0: obviously <laughs> <laughs> just really pick any angry at my ex song it's, it was probably about dave coulier when it was first written so dude i can say it. totally yeah totally about no that. it's People's all it's it. all about coulier anyway that
1: is the very first episode of trashy breakups we're gonna get into trashier breakups not just songs. It's not a song focused thing, but I think you did have to start with at least what Taylor Swift considers to be the number one breakup song. You ought to know. Yeah, it holds up. I mean, every time I scratch my nails, that guy in the theater knows exactly who he, he is. Does. Yes, no he does. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm.
0: You ought to know. I find the silence on that part. Like people are claiming credit for all sorts of lines in that song, but somehow that one is not. Brought up so much.
1: Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We're going to be back this Sunday with our season 11 premiere. We got yeah. two
0: really good stories. This season, we're just going to bust internet hoaxes all season long. That's so <laughs> not, no, not true.
1: it's not true. But we have some premiere mm-hmm. 80s trash. Yeah, we do. 80s and later coming for you this Sunday. We can't wait to have you back then. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until we talk to you soon. Keep your hands clean. And keep your hearts trashy, so so trashy. Big love, y'all. Have an amazing week. Bye. Cheers. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production, created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia, by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O.
0: Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at Carbonmade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy.